0: to share i want to read to you the passage we've been looking at the last three weeks this is going to be from the message which is a paraphrase we've been looking at uh week we looked at the niv and another week we read from the new living translation but i want you to hear this together and then we're gonna we're gonna jump in this thing but here's what numbers nine says beginning in verse 15 from the message it says this the day the dwelling was set up that was the tent that we've read about the last few weeks that's how it's referred to here the day the dwelling was set up the cloud covered the dwelling of the tent of testimony From sunset until daybreak, it was over the dwelling. It looked like fire. It was like that all the time. The cloud over the dwelling and at night looking like fire. When the cloud lifted above the tent, the people of Israel marched out. And when the cloud descended, the people camped. The people of Israel marched at God's command and they camped at his command. As long as the cloud was over the dwelling, they camped. Even when the cloud over the dwelling even when the cloud hovered over the dwelling for many days, they honored God's command and wouldn't march. They stayed in camp, obedient to God's command, as long as the cloud was over the dwelling. But the moment God issued orders, they marched. If the cloud stayed from one, only from sunset to daybreak and then lifted at daybreak, they marched. Night or day, it made no difference. When the cloud lifted, they marched. It made no difference whether the cloud hovered the dwelling for two days or a month or a year. As long as the cloud was there, they were there. And when the cloud went up, they got up and marched. They camped at God's command and they marched at God's command. They lived obediently by God's orders as delivered by Moses. So here is this account of God's people who were following him wherever he led following the cloud by day and the fire by night and wherever it went they went we've been talking for the last three weeks about what it looks like to follow God what it looks like to look for God to see God to recognize God and then to follow after him and we've talked about what that means and and um and so what I wanted to do today and because is I just want to tell you my story I want to tell you my story of how God led me um how God showed up in my life and revealed himself in many ways like the cloud, in many ways like the pillar of fire. And, and I just want to share with you just my story because one of the things I've heard and one of the things I hear anytime I talk about following God um, or hearing God's voice, well, often what I hear from people say is, I've never heard. I've never heard God's voice before. What does it mean when you saw God or what does it mean when, when God told you to do something? What does that mean? I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard this. And so I want to share with you my story and uh, I but I need to tell you this a reminder of what I said I think it was last week is God never promises that he's gonna um, just because I tell you my story today that this is how now he is going to show up in your life and how he's going to speak to you and he's going to do these things in your way and there's no promise that he's gonna to talk to me or lead me in the way tomorrow in the way I tell you how he's done it before for me there's no guarantee in that God is a immensely creative God And so I just had to tell you that up front so you don't just write all these notes down and go, okay, God, you got to do what, how you did this with Shannon. So um, it all starts with, and and I could really tell you a longer story, so I'm going to (laughs) try, I really want to condense it because we have another service at 11. So, um, but it all starts really with um, someone that I knew who was a believer who was living a life trying to live a life that honored God and I observed this and I was not a believer and we had a lot of conversations and often the conversations would come back to something highly very theological where they would say something like I don't know it's just faith and so after several months of having this conversation with this friend I went and I bought a bible I didn't own one the only one I'd ever owned I had received when I was in high school and it was still in the cellophane um, except uh, I'd gotten a dog, a puppy, a little Dalmatian puppy, and they love to chew things. Puppies like to chew things anyway. And she had ripped out pretty much. Um, now I would know from like the Book of Acts on to the end. So she was not. She was an Old Testament kind of dog, I guess. Maybe maybe Jewish. I'm not sure. So um, so I re- I didn't have I didn't have a Bible. So I had to go and actually buy one that was intact you know, from Genesis to Revelation. So I go, and I buy a Bible. And um, I bring it home, and I start to read this Bible. And um, and I pretty much would just read it all the time. If I wasn't working, I was reading. And one day, as I was reading the Bible, and then I was having these conversations with my friend, but my pride kept me from telling my friend I'd gone to buy this Bible, because I don't want to look like, you know, I don't know what I was, it was just pride, and so I'm reading the Bible, but then I'm asking questions, and she doesn't know I've bought a Bible, but, so I'm reading and reading, and she's, in this time, she had been praying for me, and had people praying for me, and so, I mean, this went on for a couple of weeks, I was just constantly reading, and I'm sitting in my bedroom one day, and I remember the day very much so, because it was an important day, it was uh, April fifteenth, nineteen 1994, and I was sitting in my, in my house, sitting on the floor, leaning against my bed with my dog there with me. And I'm reading in the book of John, I'm pretty certain. And as I was reading, I heard, not out loud, not an audible voice, but I heard God speak to my spirit. And it was amazing. And actually, he asked me a question. Shannon? He knows my name. Is this my word, or is this just a book that people wrote because they were afraid to die? Because that's what I thought the Bible was, was a fictitious book. And in that moment, all the words I'd been reading uh, from, from Scripture and the conversations I'd been having with my friend flooded in on me. And I said, I believe it's your word. And I just started to weep. I didn't know a lot of the, the religious terms. I didn't know a lot of things. So I didn't even know what confession was. But there was something in me that knew. And so I just sat there for I don't know how long. And I kept saying things like this. God, I'm sorry for. I'm sorry for. I wasn't saying, Lord, please forgive me. I didn't even know those words. But I was telling how sorry I was. To the point that it got, it got to the point after such a long time that I said, and I'm sorry for the things I can't even remember that I know I'm supposed to be sorry for. And in that moment is when I know that what Jesus had done for me, I I accepted. And I'd become a new person. Now, it took me about two weeks to fully comprehend what had happened. I finally gave in after months and months of invitation to go to church with my friend. um, And I wouldn't go. um, That I, I went actually not to church, but they had this evening deal. It was an evangelistic thing. And I listened, and I listened to this really good speaker, you know. And at the end, they did the, would you please bow your heads and, and, and repeat after me. And as this guy led this prayer, I realized that the prayer he was leading us in was basically the same prayer that I had prayed in my bedroom, well, with my dog. And it was in that moment I knew for certain. I mean, I knew my life had changed, but at that point I knew I had, I had um, done what I would heard people talk about for so long which was I given my life to Jesus Christ and I let him have it. So it started there. Um that's where it began. And after that, um I started praying for people. Um I have a younger sister, I started praying for her. I had a bunch of friends from college, sorority sisters that we were all still living in the same town and I started praying for them. I, where I was working, I started praying for these coworkers and and I was just praying that that they would have this this understanding this revelation that i had just had and and one day as i was praying sitting in my living room praying um i heard a voice that i'd heard on april 15th so it was starting to become a familiar voice to me um and i heard keep praying for them but bring them together and show show them what you know i didn't know very much (laughs) but i did and so I called my sister, and, and she was a senior in high school, and I was out of college, and, and, and so she came and brought a few friends, and I called some of my sorority sisters, and they came, and some of our coworkers and came, and before we knew it, we were sitting in my tiny little living room in Oklahoma City on 42nd Street, and, 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 um, and we were crowding my living room, and I was just basically reading some things from the New Testament and, and trying to share it with them. I was learning along with them. And during this time, I felt a sense that I was supposed to teach. Not teach in in the way that I'm teaching now or in in the profession I'm doing now. I thought the word teach meant go, you know, teach in school. And I had a degree in public relations and, and advertising, and so I wasn't really accredited to to teach. So I started praying about this, and I just felt every time I was, I just heard teach. I kept hearing the word teach. And so I would start to pursue things. Do I go back to college? Do I, do I go back and do I get a master's in education? What do I do? And every time I pursued something, Christian schools, non-Christian schools, whatever, the doors would be closed, whether it was financial or d- different things, just the doors closed. I didn't do a whole lot of searching, but I did some. And the door is just closed. Now, during this time, I, feeling this, um, I've been a Christian now for about probably um, eight months now. And I'm still feeling this desire to teach. And I'm going to work and doing my thing and having Bible study. And then, lo and behold, because of some re- recent acquaintances i would made as Christians, um, I get, this is, this is just, it's just amazing to me. I get two job offers to teach at Christian schools knowing that I don't have a degree in education, um, and they would pay for me to get my accreditation while I taught, and they were in two different cities. One was in Cincinnati, and one was in Tampa, and so um, I, was, I was blown away, um, and so for me, it started to be like, okay, I have a decision to make about which place I need to go, and so I set out to pray about this. God, God, which place do you want me to go? Lord, where which place? Tampa, Cincinnati. Some of you are going, Tampa, it's not cold there. But I didn't you know, God, where do you want me to go? I'll go. You know, just where, where, where? And now now in the middle of these two offers, and this lasted for about a month, a month and a half, where I'm praying about this and I'm just I'm reading in scripture and I'm I'm being faithful to the other things i had been doing, but I was just like, God, what? You know, show me. And, and because I had heard so clearly so many times, you know, a few times before this, it seemed strange to me that I did not get an immediate answer, immediate um, sense in my spirit of what I was supposed to do. But I just kept on praying. And, and in the middle of these two um, opportunities, my friend who had led me to Christ, uh, her and her family, they... Um, she had gotten engaged to a guy living in this tiny little town in the deep south called Valdosta in Lowndes County. And um, that's what it sounded like to me. And um, she was going to move to this little town, and she was going to finish up uh, her college degree. She had taken a break from school and was going to go back, and she promised her dad if she got married that she would finish her degree. So she was going to do this, and um, now she had been praying for me about these two jobs, and she knew uh, where I was and what I was doing, and she had been kind of alongside of me through this and at the Bible studies, and, and, and so she knew that I did not have a piece about Tampa or Cincinnati, and so she throws out this crazy idea. Why don't you move to Valdosta in Loendez County with me for a few months while you keep praying about what you're going to do, and you can help plan the wedding and now I'll know somebody in this town because I don't know anybody. and my immediate response was no. I mean, it was resounding and it was no. I mean any of you ever been asked to follow your friend and their fiance somewhere, you're kind of like, no, like I'm not a tricycle. no, the third wheel is not happening here and And so it was just no. Uh, it didn't make sense to even consider it. And so I keep searching and praying about these two cities and these job offers. And how it, And here's the deal. This is what started happening to me. This total, complete feeling of uneasiness and tension and stress started to build up in my life um, to the point that I didn't want to sleep or eat. And those are two of my favorite things to do. And so I'm just, I'm really, I'm just... I'm stressed out, and up to this point, my track record with praying to God and hearing from him have been quite good, and so I didn't understand. I just didn't understand, and, and I was at this breaking point and, and physically ill, and, and during this time, I was still going to work and doing the Bible study, and I was devouring books. I love to read, and I was reading this author. Some of you may have heard of her called Elizabeth Elliot, and in her book, she was writing about her husband, Jim, who had been a missionary and who died very young while serving as a missionary in South America. And she was referring to Jim and his journals and the things he had written as he was searching for God. And so I went and I found Jim's journals, and I bought that book, and I started reading. And and, and for such a young guy, incredibly wise, incredibly wise, and in the way he sought the Lord in maturity and, and insight that he had, And he was basically, in his journal, you you could just tell he was journaling every day, starting from Genesis on through. And just about every day, there was an entry from a chapter in in the Bible. Um, And here's what I want to share with you, what he read um, concerning Numbers 9, which is the passage we've been looking at for three weeks. And I want you to hear what I read one day as I was was reading his journals. And he said this, Guidance for Israel in wandering was unquestionable there could be no doubt if God wished them to move the only question there could be was were they willing to follow as the cloud moved will my father be any less definite with me I don't think so often I doubt because I cannot see but surely the spirit will lead as definitely as the pillar of cloud the question for me is are my plans flexible enough to be subject to immediate revamping? I want to read you that last part. Are my plans flexible enough to be subject to immediate revamping? And here was my problem, I realized. I thought that having more than one good, logical, promising option in my life meant that I was being flexible. That I was like, whatever you want, God. Whatever you want. I'm I'm flexible enough to go to either Cincinnati or Tampa because those are the options in front of me. Right, God? I'm flexible. And, and we do that sometimes, I think. I think that we take the options that we have in life right now. You might be doing this right now and think that you are being wide open to whatever God wants because some options have been laid in front of you. I'm open, God. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And, and the problem is that is that you and I live in a world where options are always increasing. I mean, think about it from the television channels. You know, we don't have to get up and turn the knob anymore, people. To the fact that you can go to a Coke machine and you have about 2,322 options of what kind of Coke you want to get out of that machine now. Options are always increasing. They will always be increasing for us. The, the world we live in, the technology we have, options are always going to increase. And so when we think that we have some options in front of us, we think, well, I'm being flexible. I'm going to let God tell me which one of these options I should choose. And so Jim's question of are, are my plans flexible enough to be subject to immediate revamping, it just completely opened my eyes because what I realized is that I had been saying, God, you've got to, you've got, you've got to choose God between Cincinnati and Tampa. You make the choice, God. I'll go where you want, but you choose these two. And it's like I was giving God the options. God's desire for us to follow him is usually a very small path. It's often not that easy to see. Sometimes it requires a little work on our part even to find it. It's not the wide road. It's not the road always of immense infinite options. And so as I started to to let this sit in on me a little bit, I realized that my question had been wrong. The thing I'd been praying about. I, I had been praying, God, what do you have for me? God, what is your will for me? God, do you want me to go to this place or this place? And this is how I was praying, and it was centered. And so I needed to remove the me from the question. And, it, and it, so I needed to start saying this, God, what do you want? What do you want? God, um, where do you want me to go? To remove the options that I was giving him. Remove the me from the question. What is your will? And so I went from reading Elizabeth's book um, to reading her, uh, talking about her husband Jim, to reading his book, to then going to this passage because at this point I'd, I'd yet to go to Numbers 9. I just had read Jim's words that he had written about Numbers 9. So then I open up my Bible and I read Numbers 9 and I and, and I open it up because it wasn't, Someplace that I, you know, as a new believer, you might actually immediately jump to. Was, oh, numbers sounds awesome, you know, especially if you're not good at math. Um, and so I hadn't been there yet. But then I sat down and I read Numbers 9, and I read about this cloud and the repetitive nature of this cloud and how these people had followed so obediently. No matter what the cloud did, the pillar of fire did, they did. And as I read that, as I read that, that amazing, wonderful voice that speaks to my spirit who had told me to accept him, who had told me to, to start to share what I was learning, said to me, Shannon, I want you to go to Valdosta. And he said Valdosta. He didn't say Valdosta. I'm just kidding. I don't. But I knew, I knew it's where I was supposed to go. And if there was ever a time to laugh at God, that would have been it for me because it didn't make sense. Um, but listen, those of you who have been in a place of extreme stress or uneasiness, and you've been calling out to God for an answer, and he finally answers, you know, that, that weight, that pressure, that, that tension, that gut-twisting feeling that you have when it just kind of leaves, it, 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 it dissipates, it, it lessens, it relaxes. Even if the circumstances don't immediately change, there, but there is this supernatural peace that, that overrides everything else, nod your head if you know what I'm talking about if you've been there before. As much as it didn't make sense, as much as it didn't add up, as much as it didn't compute, and and it seemed so um, economically and professionally unwise, as much as so much didn't make sense, I knew that God wanted me to follow him. And he had told me where. And suddenly peace reigned in my world again. And listen, I had lived for 24 years without the peace of God. And I had just found it. And, I, and so that time of uneasiness, I, I didn't like it at all. I wanted, I wanted the peace of God. And so, so with um, $600 cash to my name, no credit cards, a Chrysler LeBaron with no air conditioning and appealing headliner, and one friend in this tiny town and no job prospects, I followed God where he was leading me. Um, and like the Israelites, I set up camp when I got here to Valdosta in Three Oaks Apartments. But I didn't unpack completely as I shared with you a few weeks ago because I was certain that at any moment God was going to geographically move me again. I was just certain of it. In the meantime, um, I stayed faithful to him. I stayed in his word. I, I kept listening for his voice as he, he moved me uh, professionally from no job to becoming the the uh, tennis pro for the city uh, Valdosta for um, relationally he started to bring me friends because really I had I didn't have a lot of Christian friends I hadn't been a Christian very long and so he started to bring alongside of me people just wise people um, caring people genuine people alongside of me um, and then you know through you know and this was several years going on of doing this and then uh I opportunity to serve in missions in in Romania and spend time there and I came back and I was ready to to I was ready for God to take that cloud and move it to Eastern Europe I was ready to go and I was praying about that and 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 again that wonderful voice that I had come to know said Shannon I want you to what's in your heart to do in Romania because I was wanting to work with with uh kids who had been grown up in orphanages, and were, when it came time for them to go out at 17, they were put out in the street. And I just wanted to to work with them. Um, and and, um, and God told me, said, Shannon, um, I want you to take that that passion that you have to help them, and I want you to start doing that here first. And so I thought that meant Okay, well I'll do that here for a little while and then you'll let me go. And and so I started to be very intentional about about um probably probably the, you know, it probably broke some sort of, you know, laws or something. But I was very intentional with my tennis students. You know, they knew who I was and who I belonged to. Um and and through that God started making opportunities for me to have Bible studies with my with my students. This is called being a chaplain, isn't it, Danny? Um and and I started to do that. So I was just trying to be faithful of what he was saying to do. And then one day I was praying and I was like, God, I'm open. I'm open. I really am. I'd learned to not give him the options. I'm open. And one day I get the phone call, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, from, from, the, from the minister of youth here at this church saying, hey, this sounds out of the blue, I know, but would you be a part-time middle school youth director? I said, this, is not, this isn't far, that far out in blue. It's, I've been praying about this. So I can say, yeah, I'll consider it. Yeah, I'll interview for it. Yeah, I'll talk to your, your people, your parents. And so I came on staff here, which led me to a point where I had to let go of tennis. And I would have been hard to do had I not known that it was what God wanted me to do. Um, to let go of your career. To go into something new. I couldn't have done it unless I knew I had that peace of God that I was learning with every, with every major stage of my life to follow him. And so I started to do that. And so then, um, you know, he, to the point that uh, about in 2001, I'd been here now for uh, two years on staff, and and um, another small season, small, came up where I had this uneasiness again and this, this weird feeling in my gut that just wasn't good. And you know why it was? Because... A great godly man approached me and took me to lunch, lunch one day and said, Shannon, I just really feel like we need to start a new service in this church. I think there's an opportunity to minister to people in our community. And I said, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but then that uneasiness came, that season of uneasiness. And I said, well, hold on. I can't. I, who am I to say no to that, whatever? And And, and now here we are today. You know, and so... I don't have time to tell you, but that voice of God told me what house to buy as I drove by it, and there wasn't a for sale sign in the yard. But I kept on driving, and I didn't even know the people that owned the house. I thought, no, no, it's got to be the other house down the street, which I was going to look at to buy. I mean, I heard, what about this house? (laughs) Next day, drive down the street again to go look at that house. Guess what? For sale by owner in the house he had just told me about. God bless him. God told me I was going to marry Drew before he told Drew he was going to marry me. I've learned to hear this voice of God as I've sought after him, as I've as I've been open to him. And I'm not standing here saying I'm amazing. I'm standing here saying and you can too. And you have to and you will. This isn't theory that I've been talking about. This, this passage isn't just mumbo-jumbo. It's not something that's just too good to be true. It's real. This is God's story in me. This is, this is God's story. How did I know? How did I know that it was God speaking to me? How did I know it was God leading me? And I think Jim Elliott's quote explains it well because I don't really know how to explain it. I, I can't give you an equation. But this is what he said. In the quote I read to you earlier, he said this, Surely the Spirit will lead as definitely as the pillar of cloud. And that's what he had been doing. His Spirit had been ministering to my spirit and leading me. As surely as the pillar of cloud. As surely as that pillar of fire at night. I didn't have the visible cloud, but I sought the Lord, and, and He clearly led me time and again. And so verses started to become my... My, um, my foundation. Verses like Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That that very well-known verse, but it was brand spanking new to me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Became my foundation. And with every step that I took, I knew that it was true he was directing he was leading i needed to remove the options i was giving him and trust him and these verses became my hope and promise and if i seek the lord he will answer if, if i'm afraid he will bring me out from that if it doesn't make sense he will make it understandable i can trust him this is what i was learning from his word i don't need to depend on myself for the answers thank god he will show me which path to take So this is what I want for you. This is what I want for us. I want you to know God. I want you to know God as an individual. I want us to know God together as a church. I want us to know God. I want us to seek after him. I want us to depend on him. I want us to rely on him. I want us to know his voice. And then I want us to follow I wanna ask you this as we are getting ready to close and the band can come up. I mean, answer this for yourself. How well did you follow God in 2014? How how well how, how well do you think you did with following God, with seeking after God, with, with seeking him out with everything and listening her, for his voice and then obeying him? How well did did we do? I mean, did he did did, did something happen that just makes us wanna that just wants us to, to walk away or hide from him? Or, or you know, did, did something happen that encouraged us to follow him more? Or have you ever followed him? I think is a valid question. And I just want to encourage you to just seek after God. If you seek, he will find you. Be in his word. Allow Jesus Christ to... I, just, I would hope that you would more closely follow him than you ever have before. Our vision here at our church is, is big. We want to build disciples of Jesus, and we want to impact our world, and we want to grow in love. And as I have followed him, he has built me up. And he, I, in turn, I've been able to help build others up. And as I have followed him, that, that I hope that I have had an impact for his name in our world, and I want to help others do the same. And as I followed him, I have most certainly grown in his love. And I want to help you do that as well. I want to close with this prayer, St. Patrick. I just ask you to close your eyes and hear these words. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak to me, God's hand to guard me, god's way to lie before me god's shield to protect me god's host to save me afar and a near alone or in a multitude christ shield me today against wounding christ with me christ before me christ behind me christ in me christ beneath me christ above me christ on my right and christ on my left Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit down. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the eye that hears me. Psalm forty-eight, fourteen says this, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even to the end. God, will you be our guide today? Will you guide us to the people, to the places, to the circumstances, to the jobs, to the schools, to the relationships and the decisions that will best glorify you and bring others into your amazing kingdom? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.